Good morning, everyone. My name is Robert Ayub. I'm the founder of the Localization Fireside Chat podcast channel. Um, this relatively new uh, platform uh, has given me and given my audience an incredible opportunity, really, to listen to thought leaders bring new ideas to the industry and industry professionals to tell their intriguing stories, intriguing localization stories, and discuss trends, challenges, innovations uh, in our industry. So, if you have not done so, done so already, I invite you to connect with me on LinkedIn or connect and engage with our content throughout our channels, uh, YouTube podcast channels, your favorite podcast channels, streaming channels. Uh, feel free to connect with our content. Feel free to engage with us. And if you have any ideas for future uh, podcasts, we welcome those as well. Today, I'm honored and I have the pleasure and, and distinct pleasure to be joined with Oz Krakowski from Deep Dub. Uh, a company, which I can't wait to hear about this. I've heard a lot about your company, uh, Oz, and I uh, uh, can't wait to uh, get to know you a little better, get to know the company a little better. And the audience really is starving, I feel. I feel like there's a big appetite out there for brand new ideas uh, when it comes to localization. And the fundamental thing about localization is that connection between the content and the consumer of that content, regardless of what content we're talking about or the demographics we're talking about. And localization in general, and I, and I, from the little I've read about deepdub.ai, uh, I feel like you guys fulfill that, meaning that you bring content to demographics who have no access to those contents otherwise. So uh, welcome to the show, welcome to the channel, Daz. Uh, good to have you with me. And if you don't mind, just because we get started, I always say on this channel, uh, everybody's got a story. So I would love to ask, you know, how did you, uh, you know, I've read your bio, uh, you have a lot of tech background, you've done a, quite a number of things in your career. How did you find your way to uh, localization? What presented itself as an opportunity? I'd love to hear your story. The floor is yours. Absolutely. So first first of all, thank you for, for inviting me to this podcast. Uh, uh, you know, the honor is really, you know, mine to be be here and be part of, uh, you know, the, your distinct um, guests on, on, on this channel. Um, specifically to a question, you know, it's a, it's a very interesting question and, um, and, and life brought me into, into this from, I guess, a rather, I would say, unusual uh, uh, path, or at least if I compare myself to others in the industry, I'm not in the industry for the past four decades or, you know, three decades or so. Um, I really come from a tech background, um, but I was, uh, I would say, um, Kind of dragged into this, <laughs> uh, which I, I I love the concept that you know that I was dragged because I I love where it is where I'm at and I love the, this industry and, and what we do here and uh, which we'll talk about. But uh, um, uh, the 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 story I will say the background story is you know uh, I, I like you say I come from a back from a tech background from a tech savvy family I would say uh, you know uh, you can imagine our uh, Friday evening family dinner, you know, look back 20 years ago, we're all about technology. I have two brothers that are, uh, you know, we're all, you know, the discussion was on computers, on the internet, on, you know, as technology evolved with the years, we kept on, you know, uh, uh, we kept with, with the, the, the latest and greatest, always arguing, you know, iPhone versus Android, you know, the classic type of, uh, of arguments. We still go on this one, by the way. Um, but uh, essentially, at some point, you know, uh, we have a very, we grew up in a, in a house that fosters entrepreneurships uh, and, and, uh, and foster innovation. And I would say about 10 or 12 years ago, I quit a very prominent job at, uh, you know, corporate America, uh, at the technolo technology sector. Um, and I, I basically went on a path of, uh, you know, founding my own startup company in a totally different world in the healthcare market. And, uh, my startup was, was really trying to help people. I really wanted to connect with the audience. I wanted to, with my target customers, I wanted to have an impact on people's lives, uh, in a, in, in a meaningful way. And, and that's why, you know, I chose to go with the healthcare market. Unfortunately, that startup was was very exciting, ahead of its time, but COVID 
like many other companies, you know, uh, COVID basically killed the, the idea, unfortunately. But while I was, you know, closing my startup, my two brothers started their own startup. <laughs> and they came with, you know, they were in the in the public in the I would say in Israel for for a while in the in the public sector you know they came from military background uh, technology um, uh, wise but uh, when they freed up their time they decided to start a, a a company that is focusing again how do we bring create some impact on people's lives but using uh, advanced AI generative AI technologies and. They came up with the idea of deep dub. I was involved in, you know, a, a little bit in the background, but I was still, you know, in the process of shutting down my my startup while they while deep dub, deep dub was 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 starting at the end of 2019. And as soon as my startup, um, um, basically, I would say, was gone, uh, and my time was free, uh, I, I I joined and uh, you know immediately, you know. Uh, took a part in this, uh, what turns out to be almost a family business. Um, and the beauty thing, uh, beauty, the beautiful part of it is that we all come from a slightly different background, which gives us the ability to really split responsibilities and, and, and you know, uh, address all the challenges in a very collaborative way uh, and, and constructive way, which, you know, I think ends up uh, in, in something that is, that is you know, the beautiful, beautiful thing we call deep dub. Well, thanks for this uh, story, uh, Oz. I really uh, appreciate the background that you uh, you just illustrated this uh, just now. And you know, I guess uh, my comment on this one is, uh, you know, having been in the localization industry and I come from the tech background as well. Like this is what I used to do before localization. And you know, just for anecdotally here, because we're having a conversation over virtual coffee. I got into the business as well by accident. I was on a flight coming back from Washington. My hometown was Moncton, New Brunswick. Uh, and uh, somebody was sitting beside me, an old friend I haven't seen for a while, convinced me to join a company in an industry I didn't know existed, to be honest with you. And so there you go. Uh, accidents do happen. And that was the best accidents ever happened in my life. I found, you know, I, I always tell the story before the localization industry. I was changing jobs every two, three years, you know, seeking the, the more exciting, the better pay, uh, where I can use my intellectual, um, uh, you know, brain in a different way using tech, etc. But with the localization industry, I found all this, you know, the, the breadth of the localization industry and the amount of excitement that's involved, different topics, you know, you're not stuck in one industry all the time, you're covering various industries. Today, you're working in entertainment, tomorrow you could be working in healthcare, the day after you could be working in legal. So there's a lot of diversity in the localization industry. So that's why I got excited and it kept me, kept me going in this industry for, um, for the past uh, 20, uh, 21 years now. I can't believe I'm saying this. Wow. So just from your perspective, I guess the audience is very interested in finding out a little bit more about what does Deep Dub does like what is the services you offer and um you know what is it that you like the world to know about this uh, I, I don't know how old is your company by the way I, if you can if you can give us a little brief on that one that'd be great uh perfect absolutely um you know i'll try to make it very brief and you know we'll, we'll i'm sure we'll be, we'll delve more into it as we as we as we go but uh essentially deep dub was established at the end of 2019 so it's a very young company in the world of localization if we compare to you know traditional companies um and we really set a goal to bridge the language barrier cultural gaps of entertainment experiences but through the use of advanced generative AI technologies um, to enable things that are still, I would say, to some extent, pain points in the industry that will be, you know, increased capacity, address markets that are um, less served, either because of cost prohibitive, because they are cost prohibitive, or because there is just no infrastructure or less interest, you know, because, you know, there's no st big streaming service over there that, you know, will enable that. Um, and essentially, you know, democratize content. Uh, one of the key things that we will, we like to, uh, you know, that we, we don't realize, you know, uh, and I, I just spoke about it, you know, in a, on a panel a week ago, um, 
where uh, language is a skill. In the end, we converse in English right now. We don't realize that it's a skill that we acquired and that skill is enabling us, but also limiting us. It enables you and I to discuss, but it, by definition, takes away people that don't have that skill from accessing that content. Very specifically, you know, your podcast is going to be available for English speaker speakers. If people that, you know, people in, let's say, Indonesia that don't speak English will find it way harder to understand what we talk about. Um, some of them may, some of them may not. Some of them will never even look at it because it's not in their language. Um, the entire concept is not new in localization. This is a concept that is well known. This is the underlying, you know, uh, I would say guide of, of the world of localization. The difference is that, for example, Indonesia is not a market that is being served much, for example, because it's not a major market. Uh, and we, we and, and, and the idea is how can we enable people in Indonesia, for example, I'm just using Indonesia as an example, but it could be just as much, you know, Eastern Europe, other countries in Eastern uh, Asia, or, or even with established markets with content that is much uh, less in the, you know, in the prime focus. So th this is basically, you know, if I try to, you know, not to dig too much, but uh, when we look at DeepDub, the idea was let's use technology and, and the most advanced technology to really enable uh, expansion, increased capacity, uh, uh, localization of additional content, even beyond entertainment, um, to really reach the, get that type of accessibility to content that was never before. And um, so if you don't, don't mind, uh, maybe for our audience, so how does the service work uh, for uh, for if, if I, uh, let's say I'm a prospective customer. So what kind of customers you'll look for and uh, what services do you provide? And, you know, if you were to result, if there's a results after this podcast, hopefully we get you a few customers after this podcast. Let's say if somebody's interested, what, what is the criteria to become a customer or to be considered as a customer? <clears throat> uh, another great question. I love the question. So uh, I will say this, you know, today, uh, the criteria is actually very simple. If you have audiovisual content that is tied to language, meaning someone is talking, narration, people interview, or whatever, then you then you could be a customer. If you have a video that has no audio on it or has no dialogue, then you're not a customer. I, obviously, you don't need our service for localization. Um, but it, it sounds like a very low barrier, but I will say this. We, about a, a month ago, we launched a new platform that really opens up the door to pretty much everyone to localize um, content on their own. Uh, the platform is called DeepDubGo, uh, and it really enables you and I in a few clicks of a button to localize, you know, localize content, uh, localize, you know, short videos, even, even, even the cre it enables the creation side. So I'm not even talking about the technology, but just, you know, in terms of the business, we, the, the thing that really distinguishes DeepDub from uh, other AI companies, and also we're kind of like in between the other AI companies and the traditional ones, because we managed to really, we started by addressing the high quality content, the, you know, the top tier, the Hollywood grade content. And the, 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 the idea behind it was, if we are able to solve that, that challenge, then we can we will find a way to take that that quality that everything we learned will take it you know to everyone basically. Um, and this is where Deep Dub Go is. How can we bring that grade of quality to you know broader audiences? But we also do either a managed service like when we work with studios, when we work with with uh, with you know with, with customers that for, especially from the entertainment side. It will be more of a managed service where we will do everything end to end. Uh, on the on the other end of the spectrum, for creators, influencers, uh, ad agencies, you know, anyone that has some content, they can literally use a SaaS platform, the DeepDubGo, on their own and do their own thing there. 
So how many uh, languages does the platform covers? And you mentioned Indonesia, so I'm assuming it covers Indonesia, uh, but is, I'm assuming it covers others. So, uh, and um, having spoken to other companies in the same domain, uh, when we're talking about dubbing, we're talking about, you know, the audio piece that goes, that goes along, that that's the piece that needs to be converted to another language. So I'm assuming there'd be like, um, a person profile attached to that. So a male versus female, age group, um, you know, etc. So is, are all these variables in place uh, now? Can you talk a little bit about the language coverage and per perhaps the persona of the audios that you cover? Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it, it, the question has multiple, you know, multiple layers. So I'll, I'll try to I'll start to unwrap. If I miss anything, you know, we can we can keep digging in. But um, from a language perspective, overall, we support up to 65 languages today. When I say 65 languages, uh, I cover all of the different capacities and workflows and variations that we have. Um, not every workflow supports every language. Um, not every type of quality or tier supports every language because in the end, it also comes down to, you know, the essence of, essence of you know, of, of where we have the ability to support, let's say, high quality or lower quality or, you know, lower tier, I would say not necessarily low quality, lower tier type of content. Uh, and we can talk about that as well. Um, so so oh, that, that's essentially what it is. When we look at a supporting a language, it means that I should be able to at least have one male, one female voice, uh, at least, you know, which means that if I have one and one, that I, at the minimum, can do some uh, voiceover, basic voiceover uh, solution. Uh, in some cases, we have much more. We have many voices you know, in some of the more, uh, you know, prominent languages or more uh, on-demand languages we have more voices uh, per language. And even more than that, um, in some of them, we enabled uh, what we are a new feature that, that is available on the DeepDubGo platform, and that's called uh, the emotional prompt, which gives you the ability to control um, emotions, the emotions of a text-to-speech. So this is, you know, we didn't talk about technologies, we'll talk probably a bit later, but the, te the text-to-speech, so you have text, that is converted into voice and through uh, emotional prompts, you can choose whether the generated will be a reading style, uh, 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 sad, angry, shouting, amused, different types of, of emotional uh, uh, cues that you can give to that text. And the machine will, through the context of the text, will actually uh, generate uh, the dialogue that you can play with. Oh, wow, this is great. I mean, I uh, always thought technology deals with logic. Now you are controlling emotions in the way uh, you uh, portray the dubbing, which is absolutely phenomenal. And you know what? One of the things probably we should do, you and I, after this call, is take this video and convert it into several languages and, you know, serve, you know, you brought up a very good point. I mean, we're only speaking in English. You know, let's test, you know, the idea of, of uh, deep dub um, uh, uh, services and use this video that we're going to be producing here as a as an example of what you and and the company can do uh, in, in in this case. And you know, one one of the things that we always talk about, especially like if you if you're running a podcast channel or you're doing anything that has to reach audience and media out there, is the amount of coverage. And the amount of coverage, you absolutely bring a very good point. The English speaking world is not the entire world. Uh, I hundred percent agree with you. Uh, there are many other languages that would be interested in some of the messages that we're conveying here. And you're right, there was a barrier to entry. And the barrier to entry was, I don't know uh, if you follow um, the news with um, the uh, YouTube personality, Mr. Beast, and, and that entire fiasco there. So we can, we can debate that a little bit. But <laughs> and, and he had enough. He, I wanted to start in my own company. And I want to do this thing on my own. And he did. Yeah. Um, and, and that was the cause of the barrier to entry, I guess. Right for him, yes, that, exactly. And, and and it's pretty, it's pretty high. I mean, he can he can afford it, but absolutely, absolutely. And, right. and and regarding just you know the first thing you said regarding taking this video and localizing, localizing it, I actually 
in a way kind of uh, have a surprise you can say because okay. I already already took one of your very early videos in your channel I think the first one that you introduced the channel and I localized a little bit of it by myself um, um, oh wow great well thank you so much wow <laughs> that's like that's the biggest surprise I got today I mean the biggest surprise I got on the channel so far this is wonderful thank you <laughs> one of the challenges, well, you know, one of the challenges with localizing it, uh, localizing content in the past was, you know, access to so many aspects of localization. You know, the the translation, the adaptation. How do I get everything together? The mix. You know, I need to understand the language. I need to, I need to, uh, I need to invest a lot of effort in things that are r relatively, I would say, uh, um, the basics of localization. What we do is we take the effort out of the mundane tasks and let you focus on the creative task. So where is the creative in, you know, the uh, it, transcription is not creative. Transcription is I hear, I write it down. I hear, write it down. I don't need, you know, I don't need anything for transcription, right? Uh, translation in itself uh, is more creative, especially when it comes to the adaptation. So what we do is, Here's the translation, you know, boom, you get it. You don't need to press a button. It comes automatically. But now you go and add the creative part, adjust the jokes, adjust the translation so it fits to the right timing. You know, make sure that the, the places are correct. Make sure that, you know, the, it, this is where the creative parts, part comes in, comes in. But the mundane task of just putting everything together is already there. And even there, you know, even the emotions, this is a creative part. You know, I know that, you know, if it's a YouTuber that is standing far away, I don't want to hear them like this speaking into the microphone. I want to hear them shouting from afar, right? So I'm going to give that level of emotion to that, to the voice. And this is where uh, technology is is in, uh, and it's, I think the improvement that we're making in technology is enabling, you know, some of the creative, uh, innovative ideas similar to uh, Deep Gup right now. And... Uh, technology, I believe, still at infancy. I mean, we still haven't scratched the surface. Everybody agrees that we have a brand new era in technology, and the accelerated development of those technologies is is amazing, in my opinion, uh, because the timeline used to be, uh, you know, for a year, two years, or three years, five year cycle for technology to be developed. Now we're talking about a few weeks, you know, a quarter, maybe a month, depends on what you what you're into. Um, so. Let's talk a little bit about, you know, I have a, several questions for you. I, I can talk to you forever about this topic, but let's, 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 get, let's get started with a couple, couple more questions. And, you know, by the way, before we, you know, this, this uh, discussion is about an hour. You're welcome back to the channel anytime. Uh, I call it here, mi casa es su casa. You know, you come in, this, this channel is yours. If you have any, uh, any update, if you have anything you want to reach out to, to audience, um, please feel free to come back. So the invitation is open. Thank you. So one of the things that I, I always struggle with when talking to guests on this channel from the localization industry is that whole topic around, is it fully technology? Is it like the solution is full technology or do we have a hybrid solution at this point? So meaning that is a human in the middle or not, or is it completely hands off? And this is where people, I mean, I, I agree with you that mundane tasks should not be part of the equation. Mundane tasks should be all automated. And trust me, I can tell you stories about that one. But the, um, the aspect of, are we taking the human completely out of the equation? Are we at a point right now we're saying it's fully automated? Or you mentioned the creative part, but there must be somewhere around the engineering, the control, the process, making sure that every step is going correctly. What's your thoughts on that? So one of the things that I've, I've learned, uh, I've, I've, I've heard this, uh, this uh, term uh, in, a con in a conference about uh, AI in marketing last week. It, it, uh, someone said that we need to differentiate between thinking to thinking, thinking, uh, uh, and where you know people will still do the thinking and let's leave the thinking to machines or you know to the AI to help us and do the the thinking a little bit more creatively or more I would say more uh, uh, more precisely, more accurately, more more. Uh, uh, more complete, I would say. Um, but in the end, uh, I don't think people are going out of the loop in the foreseeable future. Um, the level of involvement of people within the process is going to change. Where in the process people are going to be involved is going to change 
based on the 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 the, the outcome that we'd like to achieve. Um, okay. I'll give you an example from how we operate. We have multiple ways of addressing a content. We can do it in a way that is um, uh, that it requires minimal effort on on the on the you know from a a, a manual perspective. But you know the outcome will be also accordingly. So it really is good to certain types of content. But the more I'd like to you know put more focus on the the creative sides of the of the work, the the, the adaptation, the quality of the voice, how much exactly it is, it fits within the time slots, the segments, and everything. I'm going to be more involved in the out, output. Now this is one way. We have another way of using different technologies that give you a much more accurate. Uh, results where I can really put a lot of focus on lip syncing. I can put a lot of focus on create recreating the, the 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 performance and the emotional and the expressivity of the content. But that requires even more manual work. So the more I'd like to put a lot of you know creativity back into into the process, the more involvement I have uh, in the process. And I think what we're going to see is that you know the balance between might change based on the output that we'd like to achieve and as technology also progressing but it's not gonna go 100 to zero it's never gonna be zero person well this is you know uh, you talk about the transformation of uh, of the jobs and how people are involved and you know um having been in the industry for so many years i came to one conclusion that people don't like change and uh, many, uh, many of my colleagues will attest to that, specifically on the operational side of things, where we, they, we tend to have some sort of an idea that says, I create a, a situation, whatever that situation may be, or a setup or a process. And then uh, I have, if the process changes, it causes a bunch of anxiety to a bunch of people. But what you bring up a very good point, as we go through a transformative uh, uh, stage in our business cycle as an industry, and we're not the only industry, we're not the first industry that's going through those transformations. Uh, printing industry before us, telecom industries, technology has changed. Uh, but somewhere in the psyche of our localization colleagues, the millions of them around the world, there was understood that you know translation will always be the same since the Babylon day till today and will never change. But that's wrong and things will change. Technology is enabling a whole bunch of different way of communicating the human in the middle will always be needed. That's what I keep telling people. But the job will change. The job will, that you're doing right now will change. And so give me a little bit of idea. Give the audience a little bit of idea on um, locations, size, how many employees uh, you have, et cetera. Yeah. Um, DipDub is you know, a relatively small company. Like I said, we're a young company also, definitely in this, uh, in this industry. Uh, we're right now... Uh, based in, I would say, three locations in Israel and two locations in the United States. Um, we're about uh, 35 people in total. Um, the company employs a lot of, uh, you know, we have a lot of freelancers and partners. Uh, we partner with companies uh, in the, you know, in the localization industry, as well as companies that are outside. Uh, we do a lot of, in fact, even in our company, within the company, about half of our staff is, it comes from the creative world. You know, we have, you know, uh, dubbing directors, voice actors, people from post-production that have, you know, decades of experience in post-production that are involved, that are part of the company, uh, which really separates us from the traditional classic technology company, but also from the classic, you know, tradition uh, 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 localization company. Um, we have a very prominent, you know, uh, team of researchers and developers that are really giving us the ability to bring those cutting edge technologies. And that's why we call ourselves the combination of that creative and tech. We call ourselves uh, a creative tech startup uh, and not a tech company. We're not a classic tech company from that perspective. Um, well, that's that's uh, that's uh, great. Uh, to be honest with you, uh, one of the biggest things from a business perspective, you know, we have to also, you know, think about it because people run businesses. We're not you're not a charity organization. Uh, you 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 put a business together for the sake of producing revenue, profit, serving customers, of course, and enabling all the other solutions 
but you obviously any business who's in business they're not in it for free they're in it to make some sense in terms of financial sense uh, for the for the stakeholders involved in the business so what I like about the uh, models that AI is presenting us right now strictly speaking from a business perspective is revenue per headcount revenue per headcount for us uh, as a business as an industry uh, with the utilization of technology it's kind of have to be going up because the moment you start, you know, talking about few uh, employees in a company versus thousands, then you start looking at, you know, the revenue per headcount is going up and makes more sense. And obviously, you guys are a private company. You're not listed on the stock exchange, etc. Hopefully, one day you will be. But in, in that space, also, there's an opportunity where, you know, the valuation for a tech company is much higher than a service company. And because you are in that space where you develop in technology as a service, um, I think there is a bigger opportunity for you down the road. Can you comment on the business aspect of it? Uh, absolutely. You know, uh, when the when when the company was established, one of the one of the pain points that we identified is that these the traditional businesses are uh, are you know built on a ten to fifteen percent margin. Uh, so by definition. It's a challenge. Uh, business businesses that operate on a 10-15% margin, gross margin, are you know are service companies that are very hard to maintain. I mean, you're always jumping between profitability and, and loss, mm-hmm. uh, and and that means that it's a very uh, difficult business to to sustain. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and this is for us, you know, it's a challenge that uh, you know we're. We're, we're happy to try and address and, and, and change the paradigm on that front as well. But that's the creative thinking that you mentioned, uh, you know, since we started the conversation, the adaptability of technology, the, you know, the tweaking of the process to make sure that the manual labor is removed and focusing on the creative work, you're adding value. And it's about value. This is where, Absolutely. you know, everybody gets it wrong is what is the value that you're bringing in uh, to whoever, service, customer, market, etc. If you just want to do labor, well, that's a different story. But if you want to transform something, you have to focus on the value. And I think this is where you guys are focusing on that emotional, um, uh, the emotional feature that you have in your uh, dubbing. That's that's really stunning, in my opinion, because everybody thought AI is about logic, you know, ones and zeros, right? So, and this right. is now you're injecting the emotional aspect of it. You're able to tailor it to to mimic the human emotions as we go through as you go through a video as you go through a content this is incredible in my opinion yeah i i will i will i will extend what you said and i will say you know that jared ai in itself is you know a lot of time we're being referred to as machine learning basically the ability to take past uh uh past information or take information and build some uh, uh some processes or or you know defining a few steps forward based on what i learned generative ai is is different generally and i think that's that's a very important distinction and this is where our voices are being generated from uh generative ai is in relatively new uh, section of AI or artificial intelligence, where machines are given given a lot of data or given a, a, a enough data in order to be able to create something new that mm-hmm. they don't necessarily learn uh, previously. So it's almost uh, almost a computer uh, oriented uh, imagination in a way. Obviously, mm-hmm. it's not creativity. It cannot be compared to human creativity. But it is, I would almost call it, you know, uh, artificial creativity, artificial imagination that gives you a sense that, at least to us, it feels like this is, you know, it, uh, this is, you know, something new that I've never seen before. You know, uh, if you played with ChatGPT and and you ask it a question, and suddenly it comes up with things that you didn't even ask it specifically, and that's where you know that the creativity. Obviously, ChatGPT has seen it before, so it has that information, but you don't necessarily ask. That directly created some inference to bring it in, and for us, this is we're we're trying to do something very similar, but to to voice, to be yeah. able to provide that type of emotion to voice. Mm-hmm. Now, one of the things that you know, when we're dealing with content, and you know, we are a service industry, um, 
you know, the second topic that everybody keeps talking about is data security, which is a big topic right now. Uh, can you speak to that aspect? I know you do. You deal with a lot of content that's publicly available, but in some cases, the content is not publicly available, and it needs some aspect of security. So, and uh, I know you come from the tech industry, so that's not a foreign subject for you. So, right. could you speak to the security aspect of things from when it comes to data? Absolutely. So, uh, going back to what I said earlier uh, about the fact that you know we started from addressing the needs of the Hollywood studios, uh, uh, you know, type of quality and needs. And one of the things that was very, very clear to us is we need to address a lot of topics that are around, you know, not only security, but definitely security of content. Um, and in fact, earlier this week, this year, uh, we even uh, announced that we are TPN approved. And for those who don't know, uh, TPN is a trusted partner network uh, it's a certification that is uh, um, um, supported by the Motion Picture Association, and pretty much what we said, what it says, and we're a gold shield worldwide uh, certified uh, TPN certified, which pretty much says that they they uh, did the due diligence on our security methods, and we are approved to work with Hollywood Studio. Uh, uh, Hollywood Studios on a pre-release theatrical material, meaning this is like, again, if you're coming from outside of the localization, this is like the highest level of security uh, in the industry because, you know, this is where the majority, you know, if there is a project that is high caliber, high uh, budget, these are the theatrical releases and having access to a pre-release material requires all the security that's, that's required. Now, you mentioned we come from tech, you know, we're an Israeli company in origins, uh, a lot of cyber, a lot of people even our, in our company have a lot of cyber in their background. We joke about the, the fact that, you know, at least with one of the studios, uh, they, you know, when we wanted to uh, pass security, it took us a week to answer all of the questions. And even one, <laughs> one of the calls, uh, one of the times it took us, you know, a person from, you know, the, our uh, CTO basically, went on a call uh, with their inf information security person and within half an hour, they said, all right, all right you're, you're approved. So, <laughs> so that's, that's kudos for you guys. That's great. And, and that, that, that is true because again, we are, uh, we really have a lot of background, a lot of knowledge about security. We appreciate and respect the fact that this is a clear need within the industry, especially to, you know, to some of our customers. And and uh, and we considered that from you know from from the ground up when we built the service from ground okay. up. This was one of the aspects we considered. Excellent. Now uh, let's move on a little bit to the future. And um, if you don't mind uh, uh, sharing with the audience, what's the vision uh, for Deep Dub as the time moves on? And you know, what's your six months, a year, five year? If you have any, I don't think anybody has a five year vision. But what's your short <laughs> what's your short term vision when it comes to technology? taking the company to the next level, you know, what's your goals? What's your objectives? You remember when you said, you know, the uh, uh, technology advances so fast, it used to be years, and now it's, you know, I, I joke about it when someone tells me, hey, but I don't know if we're, you know, I don't know if it's ready, but let's talk in, in two years. I'm like, man, this is changing on a quarterly basis. Like, right. this is, you have a leap forward every quarter. So, you know, That's two right. years from now, if you're not there, you're out of the game. That's right. That's right. You're absolutely correct. <laughs> so, uh, but but yeah, I, I, listen. This could go in so many directions, and we see how one technology comes out, and suddenly everything changes. You know, if we were talking last November, last October, AI was something that a lot of people talked about, and and you know, people didn't really understand. And there comes you know ChatGPT, and now everyone understands understands that you know that AI is 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 here to stay um, uh, and I'm gonna use another analogy that I heard last week about you know uh, uh, you remember this uh, you know the this thing called nfts nft uh, you know it, it, it used to be something that was you know the buzzword and there were a lot of uh, conferences of people believers that came in and said oh we believe that this is going to happen we believe that this is going to be the future. I don't know. I don't hear a lot about it. I'm not saying it's not there. It's there, but I don't hear a lot about all of that. 
the difference with it is that with AI, you don't need conferences that talk about we believe in it because it's not a matter of believe, belief. It's, a, you know, it's already here. So uh, going forward, and I, I will try to stick within my world because, you know, there's a lot of going, a lot of things going on outside of it uh, with AI, but uh, especially with generative AI, we're going to see a lot more, a, a lot of acceleration and quality coming in to, uh, to serve specific needs. When I say, you know, I, I think even two years ago, I said, I, I predicted that maybe in the future, I don't know where, when exactly, we will be able to watch a, let's say a sports broadcast, a live sports broadcast, where some of the commentators are going to be avatars that speak simultaneously in multiple languages. Maybe not all of them, but some of them. Think about, you know, you and I conversing and, you know, I am the guest in the podcast. You could be entirely, you know, an avatar of yourself. Uh, and, uh, and and we could have a very, uh, you know, generic discussion or, or, or a very specific discussion even. And, and that discussion could be almost simultaneously be dubbed or localized into multiple languages. Um, if that's going to be good for theater, absolutely not. It, but is it going to be good enough? I think yes. I think it's going to be at some point good enough for audiences that really plug in and watch you know, a live broadcast in their language. Uh, so I think that's going to be a, uh, a, a paradigm shift in, in the future that's going to happen towards more on-demand localization. And so uh, you bring a very good point because um, the consumer of content now, it is uh, generally not in theater. I mean, that's a small percentage, but the consumer of contents are on their telephones, on their tablets, uh, on their computers, uh, on mobile, you know, in the subway, um, on a bus, uh, you know, it doesn't matter. The technology that we currently have in the 20th century have enabled us to consume content in a very, very speedy way, in a very fast way, and which also take, took that content and gave it a shelf life that is very short. Uh, you know, the expiry date on content now has gone down. If you, if you think about, you know, the 50s when somebody, you know, picks up a newspaper that's a month old and they enjoy reading it because, you know, probably that's the newspaper that they have and now. They haven't had a chance to buy a newspaper. I don't know. So that part of it, now we go from the physical world to readily available content. And this is what you guys are involved in, in making sure to facilitate that speedy transfer of content from one side to another. And for our audience who don't know what dubbing is, let me explain the classic way of doing dubbing. So the classic way of doing dubbing, you take a piece of content, which in this case happened to be a video, you have to transcribe that. So you gotta get somebody to type it, and then you gotta take that transcription and translate it to however many languages you intend on dubbing that video. Then you have to take the transcription and you have to get the translated content of that transcription. You got to give it to a studio and that studio has to go through the process of selecting the talents based on the characters that you have in the video. They got to bring them to the, uh, the studio. They have to record each and every one of those in different languages. And then the results audio files, they need to be overlaid on top of the video. So what Deep Dub does, and the AI allowed us today to do, the generative AI allowed us to do, is to shorten that entire cycle into a couple of clicks and put them into a, a platform that produces the better, maybe equal results, but it gives you immediate results in terms of tra uh, transcribing, dubbing, listening to the video in a variety of languages, and it's not gonna take you, that's, that's another one too, because the classic way of doing dubbing, that used to take months. Now with this new way of doing dubbing, that is, we're talking about a few minutes maybe in some cases. Maybe it takes you a little longer, it depends on the complexity of your video, but if you have a simple video, I'm assuming you can upload it to your platform, uh, Oz, and you get results pretty quickly. This is a very, very, very important because now, if you're talking about entertainment, that's one thing. People could probably can wait to see the next video. Maybe they can't because they're excited. They want to see Mission Impossible, the latest one. 
And so they're probably emotionally excited. They want to see it, but I want to listen to it in Indonesia, in my own language. But if you are in a different industry, if you are in a defense and security, if you are in pharmaceutical, if you are in construction, if you are in health and safety, those becomes very important because if you are trying to convey a message to a wide audience in a video format, in languages that you, your audience don't understand, well, you're gonna, not going to do well there. You've got to make that message available in the languages. And I remember working with a few companies that they were in the oil. Uh, now, I guess oil is, is a bad word on this channel, but I mentioned it for the sake of historical reference, nothing else. And that, in, that company was involved in the drilling, researching for oil. So they have staff all over the world, and those staff, you know, they don't speak English. And so how do you explain health and safety measures to them? You have to explain it in their own language. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know that uh, I always refer to content as trying to deliver something uh, and, and, and uh, audiovisual content. And, and I would say the highest level of, uh, if I need to classify it, I would say that you have two types of messages or two types of things that I'm trying to deliver with an audiovisual content. Either I'm trying to deliver an experience or I'm trying to deliver information. Experience, this is where we have television, theater, you know, the cinema. We're trying to live, it's, it's, it's an experience. I'm not there to get educated. I'm not saying mission possible to, you know, to, to uh, for example, to, to get educated. I'm there to forget about everything else, immerse in the experience. I would pay money to sit in a nice theater, to list, to see it on a big screen and really be part of the, you know, part of the, of the amazing, you know, uh, car race. And I just watched it a couple of days ago. It's, I think one of my, it, not one, sorry. This is my favorite. For me, the experience is the popcorn. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. This is part of the experience that you don't need also to clean everything after. Uh, I didn't say that. But, <laughs> but no, but, uh, but really this is definitely, this is part of the experience. This is an experience, immersive as much as possible and, and enjoy that, that part. The other side, information. Experience is not relevant when I talk about security. Just like you said, when I talk about a course, e-learning, uh, corporate, you know, a CEO trying to deliver a message, a company trying to deliver their, you know, to to promote their 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 uh, their, their product. In, uh, experience may take some part. It needs to be a acceptable experience, but the information is more important. And being able to deliver it in the target languages, uh, in the target in the language of the target audience, is is detrimental for your audience to understand and 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 and, and you know, to get to receive that information. Absolutely, and uh, and and you know, on that note, um, it's very exciting topic. Like I can't talk enough about it. I've I've been an avid user of AI. I use it every day in my job. And if it's just me, the single person here that is from a, from my from my from what I do, from my particular day-to-day -day work, has increased my productivity by, I don't know, 75%, maybe 80%. It doubled my work output. And I'm assuming globally that's going to help us quite a bit in terms of our content and how we work and, you know, the amount of output we're producing collectively with less urban effort. And that's what, how we started the conversation. And I'd love to, uh, I'd love to uh, finish on that same thought. You can do more with less not in terms of number of people, but in terms of resources as a humanity, as a planet. So consumption, the amount of the amount of human we need, the amount of uh, opportunities it creates, it's all positive. And we should not be afraid, as, as you know, I'm, I'm speaking to the legacy part of our industry. We should not be afraid of embracing that whole idea of uh, employing and using AI. And it's, you know, it's, a, it's available to everybody. It's not exclusive. You know, the exactly. platforms are all open source. You know, people can go and explore them, uh, see how they fit in the world, depending on what your job and what, you, what your objective in life. You can use it in a variety of ways. So it's an opportunity. It's not a risk, in my, in my, in my opinion. So on that and, one. Well, maybe, maybe and add to it, creativity is still going to be a, a, a part where humans are going to, you know, to take the lead role. And it's just going to change, you know, our, the places where we add our creativity on, it's just going to shift, you know, uh, along those lines. Correct. So just before we wrap it up here, uh, if you don't mind, Oz, uh, any final thoughts, uh, words to the audience uh, about 
the, the, you know, the company, what would you like them to know, how can they reach you, how can they reach the company if they're interested, uh, etc. Well, uh, first of all, again, I would, you know, I will say thank you for, for inviting me here. I really enjoyed the time. Uh, Deep Dub is really on a, on a, uh, uh, on a, uh, 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 on a path to democratize content. We would like to provide uh, people the ability to express themselves um, to multiple uh, audiences around the world uh, in their own languages um, and the ability to access those type of services in a way that uh, that was never done before uh, in a simple and easy manner. Uh, if you'd like to, uh, uh, to try the platform, you're more than welcome to go on our website. We have a menu button called Deep Dub Go. There's actually a button on the first page. You can join the waitlist right now. There's a waitlist, but uh, join the waitlist. You'll get access to a platform that will allow you to localize your content on your own with a few a few clicks of a button. Um, and I'm, I'm sure you're going to be amazed just playing with it. Otherwise, uh, feel free to reach out to me directly. You can find me on LinkedIn with my name, Oscar Kowski, or uh, reach out uh, you know, to my email. You can email me directly or send an email to the company info at deepdub.ai. Well, I want to thank you, Oz, uh, for joining me today. It was uh, such an exciting conversation, uh, to be honest with you. This is where I get you know, excited about this conversation because that's how I started my career in the tech business. Uh, and I uh, really enjoyed our conversation today. You're welcome back to this channel anytime you feel like coming back. And I also want to put a plug here for Ali uh, Alexandra, uh, who connected us together. And thank you, Ali, for uh, uh, bringing us, uh, Oz and myself, to have this lovely conversation this morning. Uh, thanks again. And you're welcome back anytime uh, you need to come back to this channel. So. Before I wrap it up, I want to thank the audience for listening in on this uh, episode today. I hope everybody got something out of this, and I hope everybody, um, you know, developed some positive ideas for the future uh, using generative AI and how can it be? Uh, it can be a, uh, a business enabler for you. Also, uh, I ask everybody who is enjoying our content to like, subscribe uh, to our channels. Uh, I really appreciate your support. And, uh, and thank you again and enjoy your weekend.